from KQED. Every day during peak commute hours, about 60,000 people ride a BART train through the Trans Bay Tube. That's the 3.8-mile-long underwater passageway that connects Oakland and San Francisco. I know this train is packed. I don't have any room for bikes. Wait for the next train. The tube is built into a trench in the floor of the bay, sitting under about a billion gallons of water. Bay Curious listener Jennifer Schultz rides through that tube a lot and wonders if it's a vulnerable place to be during a disaster. If I'm on BART under the bay between San Francisco and Oakland when an earthquake occurs, what will happen? Will the train stop? Can the tunnel crack open? This week on the Bay Curious Podcast, we'll learn if Jennifer has anything to worry about, and we'll take a tour of an unexpected vehicle San Francisco has at the ready for when disaster strikes. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. We asked KQED's Tina Rubio to find the answer to Jennifer's question. If you were on BART during an earthquake, this is pretty much what you'd hear. May I have your attention, please? This is a special message from the BART Operations Control Center. BART is now participating in a regional earthquake preparedness drill. Only thankfully, this is just one of their quarterly earthquake drills. The trains will be traveling at a reduced speed for a period of time while this uh, regional drill is taking place. Since 2005, BART has been undergoing a major earthquake retrofit. The final phase is expected to begin next year, finishing up sometime in 2023. The cost? So far, more than a billion dollars. I sat down with Tom Horton, the Earthquake Safety Program Manager for BART. Tom, I think a lot of folks want to know, is the Transbay tube safe during an earthquake? What I can say is that it is safer than most other places they're going to be in their in their working day. So walk me through what happens if there's an earthquake. It kind of depends on the conditions. If there is power, we reduce the speed of the train down to 27 miles an hour, which gives an operator plenty of time to see what's in front of them, see if there is any cracking or anything of that nature. But our goal is to not stop in the Transbay tube. If there is no power, then we, uh, we ask the passengers to get off and walk out of the tube, uh, either direction, depending upon which is closest to get to the end of the tube and out. Are there cracks down there? Does it leak? Uh, well, well, yeah, the, the tube does get leaks every now and then, as all tunnels do. And uh, BART actually has an active program to plug those leaks when they happen. It's pretty dry down there most of the time. During the earthquake, we expect that the earthquake forces will cause the, the liner to crack and then you'll get leakage. Now, the tunnel doesn't collapse. The tunnel's plenty strong enough to stay up. But if you get too much leakage, you, you know, you, it fills with water, and that's what we're trying to uh, 
prevent. So if it did crack, can it just fill with water and flood? Well, we have a pumping system, and part of the retrofit is to increase the size of that pumping system so you can at least slow down the, the rate of fill. And the idea is that uh, you can slow it down enough so that people can get out well before the, the, tube, the tube floods, okay? The way it's configured, there's one end of the tube that we don't expect to ever give us a problem. So there will always be one way out. In other words, if you were somewhere near Yerba Buena Island, you'd want to start walking towards Oakland, <laughs> not towards San Francisco. <laughs> right. Can people feel shaking down there? In most tunnels, you actually can't feel very much shaking. Uh, tunnels tend to be much more stable in an earthquake than people think because the, the major motion, if you will, doesn't happen until you hit open air. You know, so up on the surface, it may be shaking like crazy. You don't feel it much in, in the tunnel itself. So it sounds like you'd almost want to be there, <laughs> right? In the case of an earthquake, it sounds like it's safer than maybe some of the buildings that aren't retrofitted, well, say, in the East Bay. Uh, uh, certainly uh, in, in any, what you might call, ordinary earthquake, because the tube is so robust, uh, unless it's a very, very large earthquake, uh, you'd probably want to be in the tube. Now, we talked about the flooding problem. So if you were in an earthquake that large, it would be problematic, but then so would everywhere else in the Bay Area. So it's kind of, you know, a wash, if you will. That was KQED reporter Tina Rubio speaking with Bart's Tom Horton, the Earthquake Safety Program Manager. The largest earthquake to shake the Transbay tube so far was the 1989 Loma Prieta quake. According to Bart, a train passing through the tube was ordered to stop, although the train driver didn't report any shaking down there. The tube was inspected and found to be safe, then reopened six hours later. All this talk about earthquakes got us thinking. What if something catastrophic did happen in the Bay Area? After the big one, it's not going to be easy for anyone to get around. But what about for people who really need medical care? Will we have enough emergency vehicles? Well, San Francisco has one unusual tool to address that problem. Old muni buses that have been turned into giant ambulances. Reporter Eli Wertschafter went to a secret location in San Francisco to check them out. The whole thing started with a crazy party. It was New Year's Eve 2010, and there were big celebrations planned at the Embarcadero. The San Francisco Fire Department wanted extra medical support on the scene, so Muni agreed to lend them a bus. It was a regular 40-foot city bus. This is Fire Chief Andy Zanoff, in charge of emergency medical services. They reconfigured some of the poles and the straps that people usually hold on to. They set up a, a strapping system for two wheelchairs and for a gurney. And they drove it to the Embarcadero. They used it as a mobile clinic, treating people who might have partied a little too hard. After that, the fire department wanted to have buses on hand all the time. So they asked their friends at Muni. It took five years, but in 2015, Muni donated two old buses to turn into what the fire department calls Ambu buses. I went to check out the Ambu buses in an undisclosed location in San Francisco. Fire department spokesman Jonathan Baxter will only let me tell you we're in a Muni bus yard. We don't want to give somebody who has nefarious thoughts an idea of where the, these would be housed on a normal basis. Looking around at all the buses, though, it's not hard to pick out which ones are ambulances. They're painted red and white, and they say Mass Casualty Transport in fat gold letters. The city used $80,000, plus a grant from the Department of Homeland Security, to buy a special kit from a company in Virginia. 
It's everything you need to convert a city bus to a mini hospital on wheels. Chief Zanoff shows me inside. Took some of the seats out, and then we can hang uh, flats and stretchers. It's kind of a spooky sight. Picture a bus full of stretchers in stacks of three, like triple bunk beds. Now imagine all those stretchers full of wounded victims. The bus can carry up to 22 patients in all. These are what we call flats. These are detachable. Um, we would put the patient on this and then carry the patient into here on the flat and then line them up on these uh, litter carriers. Zanoff says Muni would provide the driver. They keep a pool of extra operators on standby. We have a flash number that we call from our dispatch center, and the buses can be ready to roll in less than 30 minutes. 30 minutes might sound like a long time, but the buses aren't meant to replace regular ambulances that show up right away. In fact, in the two years that the city has had the AMBU buses, they've never responded to an emergency. They've only been sent to planned events. Mass events such as New Year's, Halloween in the Castro, Fleet Week. They were also at Chrissy Field recently to prepare for the far-right rally that never materialized. Tony Malloy, another medical services chief, says the buses are also ready for an earthquake. These could be used very easily. Say one of our major hospitals becomes unable to be used as a hospital because of the, where the earthquake hit or where the disaster hit. When Hurricane Harvey hit Texas, the rescue effort took more than ambulances and fire engines. Ordinary citizens brought out their boats and even monster trucks. Following the news from home, Chief Malloy says he was struck by how many people went out to save their neighbors. If there is, or when there is an incident, um, we're going to bring out all the stops and we're probably going to need outside help as well. In the moments after a severe earthquake, even a pair of AMBU buses can only do so much. We'll have to rely on each other. That was reporter Eli Wertschafter. A version of that story first aired on Cross Currents from KALW. Thanks, Eli. Thanks also to Jennifer Schultz for asking the question we explored today. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Thanks for listening to Bay Curious. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is... This Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.